One of the top dividend ETFs recently passed $1 billion in assets. We'll tell you about the fund and why dividend investors are taking note. Also coming up, ETF strategies for diversifying your income sources and why that is important. Paul Bayaki with SSNC Alps Advisors joins us right after this. Welcome to the program. I'm Thalia Hayden. It's great to have you watching. Be sure to subscribe to ETF Guide TV and post your thoughts in our YouTube comment section below. The Alps Sector Dividend Dogs ETF recently crossed the key milestone of $1 billion in assets. Now, it's caught the attention of dividend investors along with advisors. So here to discuss that and more is Paul Bayaki with SSNC Alps Advisors. Paul, great to see you again and welcome back. Well, it's good to be back. All right, before we discuss dividend investing, some market observers have complained about the excessive dominance of mega cap stocks. While it's helped lift leading barometers like the S&P 500 to yearly highs, it's also lifted risk. Are there any ETF solutions for investors who want to minimize stock market concentration risks? The high-level story on stock market concentration and the concentration of big stocks in the market and influencing the markets Performance is nothing new. We've seen this in a number of eras dating back to the Nifty 50 period, for those of you who remember that. And so ultimately, when you look at the market now and those concentrated stock positions, those mega cap stocks that are driving so much of the stock market's performance year to date, it's also a sector story. So you look at communication services, consumer discretionary and technology, the three sectors that have many of those large stocks that have been dominating the market so far in 2023. It's those sectors that investors often have a tremendous amount of exposure to by virtue of their S&P 500 exposure or their Russell 1000 exposure. So there are a number of ways that you can offset that type of single stock concentration, whether it be, whether it be investing in the sectors that don't have that level of concentration, whether it be something like utilities or staples or healthcare, defensive sectors, or taking an equal weight approach to the market or equal weight approach to sectors. You could do so using something like EQL, which equal weights the 11 sectors of the market. You can do so using SDOG, which we'll talk about in a minute, which also equal weights 10 sectors of the market, but focuses specifically on the highest yielding stocks in each sector. So ultimately it comes down to portfolio completion, taking your equity exposure, which is dominated in many cases by those large mega cap stocks and tweaking that market portfolio, either away from the sectors that are dominated by those individual stocks or away from the factors that are dominated by those individual stocks. Got it. Now, the Alps Sector Dividend Dogs ETF recently crossed that key milestone of $1 billion in assets, so congratulations on that. SDOG has clearly been on the upswing, and dividend investors, along with financial advisors, are taking note. So tell us more about SDOG's success and how the fund actually works. Well, the, the success of SDOG is a tribute to the strategy. It's a tribute to the distribution team that we have here in place at SSNC Alps Advisors. In fact, it's been a product that we've been focused on for quite a few months now and, and really dating back to 2020 when we started to see the early indications that value was starting to outperform growth for the first time in quite some time. And 
The story with S-Dog is really simple. At its core, it's that old dogs of the Dow strategy, where each year you buy the highest yielding stocks in the Dow at the beginning of the year, and you expect those stocks to sort of mean revert, meaning because they have a high yield, they're likely or historically have outperformed the, the Dow. Now, when you're building a diversified strategy, it's hard to just pick a few stocks from the Dow 30 and equally weight them and ultimately that be the extent of your equity exposure. So what SDOG does is it takes that theory, but instead of just the 30 stocks in the Dow, it takes the five highest yielding stocks in 10 of the 11 gig sectors, excluding real estate, and equally weights them, in turn giving you equal weight exposure to all of the stocks in the strategy, but also equal weight exposure to all of the 10 gig sectors that you have. So the idea is, is it tilts value by virtue of that yield component of the methodology, but it also gives you much more balanced sector exposure because you ultimately are significantly underweight technology, significantly overweight those sectors we talked about earlier, utilities and staples, as well as energy, so you get a balanced sector profile and within the sectors that you're balanced exposure to, you get a tilt toward yield-oriented, value-oriented stocks in those sectors. So for investors who are looking at this sort of growth versus value dichotomy here in 2023 and we're expecting value to outperform growth, or are expecting value to outperform growth going forward, SDOG really gives you a cyclical value bias with a yield profile and balanced sector exposure to boot. Yep, that makes sense. And it's also wise for investors to diversify their income streams. And a research piece recently published at alpsfunds.com drove home that point for sure. The research focused on ETFs in different income markets like energy and real estate that can help investors to broaden their income sources. Why is it smart to diversify income strategies? Well, I think just like with any component of your asset allocation, it's important to try and maximize the diversification within an asset allocation. That's why you mix stocks and bonds, for example, because they offer very different risk reward profiles and very different macroeconomic and market exposures. The same holds true in an income sleeve, because ultimately, if you think about where you typically get yield from, in an equity portfolio. It's defensive sectors like utilities and consumer staples and healthcare. But to your point, you can also get yield from energy infrastructure companies in the energy sector. You can get income from a real estate portfolio or a REIT-oriented portfolio. And when you think about just using, say, defensive sectors like utilities and staples and healthcare, those sectors historically have had very similar economic exposures and relative risk profiles, whereas energy infrastructure companies are very different in terms of their economic exposures, the operational nature of those companies, just like REITs are very different than energy infrastructure companies or utilities or consumer staples companies. So by blending, say, ENFR, an energy infrastructure portfolio, with a portfolio of REITs and a portfolio of utilities or other defensive sectors, you're not only diversifying the types of companies that you have, but you're diversifying the economic exposures of the income sleeve 
in your equity allocation within a broader asset allocation pie. And so ultimately, what you're trying to achieve in a yield-oriented or an income-oriented asset allocation is additional income off of your asset base. But by diversifying economic exposures, capital markets exposures, business cycle exposures, you're ultimately ensuring, or at the very least trying to ensure, that the sources of that income don't all have the same economic risk profile, the same business model, the same capital structure, and ultimately allows investors to pull income streams from different economic segments, all the while trying to maximize the income that you're generating from an asset allocation targeted at income generation. And one final question, Paul, before you take off. Although U.S. inflation has cooled, it's still too high for most households and for the Federal Reserve. What are some ETF solutions for hedging stubborn inflation? Historically, many people have just looked at categories like commodities, for example, as an inflation hedge. Because historically, when you get inflation cycles, you tend to get increases in commodity prices. Now, at least more recently with inflation on the trajectory that it's been on, commodities haven't done all that well in 2023. But if you sort of zoom out 40,000 foot, 80,000 foot view of the commodities market, you can and historically have been able to provide some offsetting dynamics with a commodities portfolio like say USCI. Or in the case of energy infrastructure, for example, companies that operate pipelines in the United States are typically federally regulated, or at least interstate pipelines are federally regulated by FERC. And FERC's tariff methodology has PPI for finished goods as one of the inputs for determining what rate pipeline companies can charge for moving crude oil and natural gas and other molecules around the country. So in theory, energy infrastructure companies have some inflation protection, or at the very least can be offsetting the impact of inflation on their business by virtue of those inflation escalators in their contracts through that FERC regulated pipeline tariff rate. So two examples, commodities and energy infrastructure that by nature provide investors with some insulation against the impact of inflation on an investor portfolio. But what it really comes down to long term is what pockets of the market are going to provide a total return that's in excess of the rate of inflation. That's sort of a headline goal of investors in an equity allocation. And it's important to note that total return historically has largely been driven by compounded dividends, not necessarily price appreciation. So investors who are concerned that inflation is going to remain stickier, that inflation is going to reaccelerate off of this sort of normalization that we've seen recently, we got a CPI and a PPI print last week that were both slower than expected, those investors should probably consider how they can generate additional dividend-oriented income from their equity allocation, specifically because over the long history of the market, so much of your total return is driven by compounded dividend income as opposed to price appreciation. And if you're simply focused on growth companies or companies who are expected to provide strong price appreciation, that could be a disappointing endeavor for investors going forward if inflation does in fact remain sticky, if inflation does reaccelerate 
above the levels where we're at. And of course, the market is misunderestimating the trajectory of an impact on the market of additional interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve. Paul, thank you so much for your timely insights. We certainly appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Be sure to visit alpsfunds.com to learn more about the ETF lineup at SSNC Alps Advisors. I'm Thalia Hayden with ETF Guide. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you again soon.